0: Hello, I'm James Lancaster and joining me on Deep Dive today is Martin Sirk, International Advisor to the Global Association Hubs Partnership and a consultant to associations and the international meetings community. Martin, welcome back to the show.
1: Great to be here, James.
0: So, have we seen off COVID?
1: Um, We're behaving as though we have, but we haven't. Um, And we're tending to look at it through whatever the national news is in our local local area. Uh, So... What's remarkable to me is that China has just been locking down Shanghai, 20 million people, two stages, one side of the river and the other side, testing virtually the entire population. And I think I've seen about two column inches on the (laughs) story. Uh, And it it should really be a big strategic story about how can you have a country of 1.3 billion following a different policy from everybody else in their orbit and, in fact, in the rest of the world. Mm. Um, the UK, I think the the daily death rates are the equivalent of a 737 dropping out of the sky. Uh, Hong Kong, which had a fantastic first couple of years, is now running at 300 deaths a day in a population mm-hmm. of 5.5 million. So it, it's definitely not over, but we've started behaving as though it is and so, for the, for the for the majority of events, it is effectively over. You know, we've mm. got the, we've got the, the various protocols, we've got the vaccination cards, we've got the, the registrations, um, and we have decided that we simply have to get going and start doing this again. And that's the reality. If you're in the states, if you're in Europe, uh, is coming back. Now, whether it's coming back to the degree that people are. Selling, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I think Skift was recently uh, quoted saying 65 percent business travel flights um, compared to pre-COVID is now the norm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's being masked by the fact that leisure tourism has really gone shooting up. Everything feels very busy, but I, I, I do suspect that a lot of companies are holding back, a lot of organisations are are reticent, and and quite a few individuals are still quite risk averse and the, especially if you haven't had covid if you've managed to avoid it so far you're probably sitting there thinking well ba2 is the most transmissible yet how do i keep away from it it's a very very weird situation you know we we've we've got this this if if we were just starting the pandemic now and the figures were as they are There would probably be lurid headlines, Mm -hmm. um, panic in the streets, and all kinds of steps being taken. Um, But we're two years in, people have got tired, uh, and we are now behaving as though we've reached an acceptable level of hospitalisations and deaths. And as long as locally the situation doesn't deteriorate, that they're actually almost closing the hospitals down, it feels like it's acceptable to policymakers and to the media and to most people.
0: The, late, the latest stats from the UK, I think yesterday, 330 people, uh, well, 330 deaths were recorded yesterday. That's not the same as saying 330 people wow. died yesterday. But that's, that's a real spike compared to recent weeks. At the same time, however, the case rate has gone down in the last week quite significantly. So I think there's a, there is this, like you say, it is a weird situation. Scroll back to February 2020, the idea of 330 people dying in a single day. From an infectious disease would have been terrifying, but you're right. It seems as though policymakers have decided that this is now containable; it's manageable with the vaccines. Um, so we we have to wait and see, don't we? And I think the the, the sort of long term scarring effects of the pandemic have have yet to be seen. I think that's the the important. I, thing, I isn't think that's it?
1: that's incredibly true, and uh, I'm. I'm always shocked at how little has been written and spoken about long COVID. I I know, you know, two pretty decent friends who, uh, one caught it more recently and has been absolutely debilitated, can barely walk and work, Uh, and another uh, who caught it back in March 2020 and couldn't, you know, a fit 50-year-old guy, entrepreneurial, uh, literally couldn't work for six months and is now... Uh, managing it and I think you know th- these are not really isolated incidents we, we're going to we're going to see an awful lot of um, serious illness my I don't think it's going to get into the the mainstream news I don't think it's become, going to become an issue because the decisions have now been made uh, and so um, there's no wish to actually start interrogating those longer-term effects I, I think it'll be different when the historians look back at this period in about 50 years maybe even 20 years uh, and actually take a look at this generation's policymakers and uh, collectively how we've addressed this. And I, I suspect we won't come out of it looking too too great, to be honest. No.
0: So we're in a weird situation with, with COVID. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's park that for now. Yeah. What other trends, if any, have emerged from the pandemic, uh, specifically relating to association meetings and destination marketing? There was, a, there was a great sense when the pandemic was a sort of the, in the white heat of the pandemic, that this was uh, a life-changing event, it was an epoch defining event, and that things would change as a result of it. what What has changed, if anything, from our perspective?
1: It, it It's still too early to really see it. I mean, what from the conversations I've had with association leaders and various other people at the the front end, I get the impression that there's been an awful lot of reevaluation around what meetings are for. Uh, what's the purpose of the bigger meetings, especially, um, and a desire to re-engineer them and make them really as as impactful as possible? Mm. I, I think that's the great thing to come out of this. Uh, I think the second thing that's that's really significant on the upside is I, I I keep describing this this last few years as probably the golden age of association creation except that the associations being formed now would never dream of describing themselves as, as associations. And they probably don't look like traditional associations. They don't have all of the, the governance-type uh, paraphernalia that, that, yeah. that uh, associations are clothed in. Um, but you know, if you think about the, the way in which people have had to find friends and colleagues who share their passions, share their interests across the globe, and how those, those networks have grown stronger and stronger, um, supported by all the tech that's, uh, that's arisen and allowed us to have uh, online meetings. Those, many of those groups are going to survive and thrive and um, become really, really important down the line. You know, the people who are sticking together have found things that really matter to them. And, so these are and-
0: associations with a small a,
1: the, the, it, where... yeah, their, their, their association with a small a you know their, their communities of interest whether that be um, business or societal progress or uh, scientific interest uh, or, or addressing a very specific problem coming at it from very different uh, angles all of those things have been happening online mm. uh, there's there's been this vast amount of of interaction and connection going on and i believe that's going to translate into real associations with real face-to-face meetings Mm -hmm. Um, because if the the topics are serious enough and people feel passionately about it it's inevitable they will want to get together they will want to combine Uh, and I've I've seen all kinds of examples where these groups are now starting to meet whether it's local chapters or they're actually organizing meetings I think that's really significant the other other really big thing that's happened through COVID is the acceleration of remote working Uh, and that is. We're, we're, we're still seeing the starting point of that. Um, you know, as leases, as major office leases become due for renewal, then there's, there's going to be a ratchet effect because many, many companies are not going to want to have the, um, the floor space mm. that they've taken. Um, you know, I'm, I'm currently in Silicon Valley and there is a very large amount of, especially the secondary and tertiary property that is just sitting empty. Uh, and uh, that's still being held by those companies on their books at full value, because you know they haven't cut the rates, so they can still claim that they, the the rates exist. But there's a, there's a wave coming through, and that that is going to have profound implications for for the meetings. Not so much on the association side, but more on the corporate side.
0: Yes, I was because thinking once, more on the corporate side. Yeah.
1: Once, once you have remote organizations, there is a, there is a real need for face to face meetings for those parts of the organizational um um set of objectives that you simply can't do online you know mm-hmm. in terms of building trust uh, aligning properly initiating projects um dealing with complex questions those those sort of things are very very difficult to achieve on online um, but i th- i think it's going to be very exciting for for all kinds of areas of um um uh, how people organize meetings and yeah. what kind of meetings those are going to be? Is, is there uh, any
0: implications of remote work? I'm just thinking this through. Are there any implications of the remote working phenomena that will affect association meetings? Do you I, think?
1: I think there will because the the, it, the there's so much crossover between different um, sides. Um, I, I you know I saw for a while there was a huge trend of. of um, corporate meetings starting to become more like association meetings uh, and association meetings picking up from some of the innovations that were were happening in the corporate field. Um, you know, the the idea of these kind of um, STEM festival style organizations and uh, associations thinking, well, yeah, we've got all this intellectual um, uh, capital. How do we actually make use of it? You know, it's not simply mm. about serving a narrow membership, but, it, but it's about serving the mission of the organisation that involves bringing others in so i i think there's always crossover between the different um, business event sectors from corporate to uh, yeah. associations and in fact you know many associations are are now talking about recruiting people in different parts of the world so they've got their own little micro issues around how do they then start building up and you know they are such natural candidates for remote work You know, if if you imagine an association with membership in 100 countries, Mm -hmm. uh, it it doesn't really make an awful lot of sense to put everybody into a head office in in Maryland or in in Brussels entirely. It makes a lot more sense to have distributed close to the members type um, organisational structures. Uh, And that may indeed then have knock on effects into how the the meetings and events are organised through the association.
0: Yeah. That's interesting you
1: know, once, once they go remote they'll start thinking about things in different ways and of course many of their members will be working in organizations which are going remote as well
0: yeah w- one of the buzzwords of the during the pandemic was was hybrid um in terms of in terms of meetings was that was that a flash in the pan a lot of money went into these platforms as huge investment
1: well i i think um hy- hybrids one of my my bet noir words Hmm. You know, I, I've, I don't really believe in hybrid events as such. I think that what you're really doing is you're running two events synchronously. You're running yeah. a face-to-face meeting, and then you're also running something for an online crowd. It, it's very, very rare that I've seen true level playing field interaction between a, a, an online crowd and a face-to-face crowd where they really genuinely are having those sort of small-scale conversations, solving issues, you know, listening in is not the same as um, having a, a, a truly meaningful meeting. Uh, and most of the online crowd, when they've linked to face-to-face meetings, have been effectively passive audiences for the most mm. part. And where you have, you know, experts like Gerrit uh, Heikamp, Mr. Red Shoes, Mr. Red Sneakers, going in and acting as a moderator for an online event linked to a face-to-face he's effectively running a separate meeting you know he's he's making some of those connections but it's a different exercise but I, i i do think that online is going to be here to stay i think you're right the the amount of money that poured into the platforms um is going to create certain bubbles but that's because the 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 smart money is looking for the winner Inevitably, some of the money is going to go to the companies that will not exist or will not reach their potential. Um, And inevitably, you know, like everything from railways to um, online pet products in the first wave of the Internet, you know, there will be stuff that looks ridiculous. But it's ridiculous because people are chasing the the one winner. And and often the people with the money throwing in there don't necessarily know enough about the business to know where, where it's going to go. It, it was interesting to see a lot of layoffs and a, a lot of um, value mm. dropping out of companies. And I think that's inevitable given the speed with which it, it ratcheted up. Um, Is it because
0: you, you, you hinted there that um, they don't know enough about the industry? It, it's a problem with chasing a winner in this field that what does a winner look like? What would a winner do? Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about when we're talking about the events industry? We're talking about, big international scientific conferences are we talking about something that looks more like a festival
1: yeah I <clears throat> I, I, th- I think you, you've hit the nail on the head that nobody really quite knows how it's all going to work in the future. They just saw that this was a huge thing you know driven by um, the way that zoom took off mm. uh, so I think a lot of it was looking at the 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 B2c market and how consumers were now adapting to it and thinking well this has got to be a thing for B2B. But now, what what we're seeing is when you run it, when the smart associations are running their online programs, they're being much more careful about how they're doing it. They're not chasing audiences necessarily. They're happy with smaller ones. Mm. They're happier with the right specialists being brought together. Um, they're embracing um, asynchronous learning and the online capacity for that. And I think that's where the real. You know, I was, I was talking to a. a the head of a big PCO recently, who was saying that's where the gold lies. You know, the, the gold lies in asynchronous uh, learning from libraries of extremely valuable um, specialized content. And mm. that's very, very different from running uh, online webinars and trying to get the biggest crowd you possibly can, where yeah. you're you know, looking for star speakers and such and like. I think it's a, a different mindset and i think that's where the the real value is going to come.
0: Mm, that's interesting because historically the the value of the meetings industry has been sort of supplier focused, hasn't it? how many people can we get to this meeting? how many yep. bed nights and all the rest of it. that that that's changing, isn't it? you see a lot it has of, to. it has to. Yeah. and
1: not 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 only because of covid, but because we're we're heading into an era where we are going to have to justify um every uh, every ton of carbon that we're generating. mm you know, there, yeah. there is no industry on the planet that is going to get away from hiding behind a smoke screen um, and saying this doesn't matter to us so
0: no.
1: we're going to have to both be very careful about how we actually generate carbon but then we also have to become much better at, at expressing the purpose of the meeting for all of the participants so that that you don't simply try to get hangers on, you try to get the right people there who can make make things happen, who will gain value themselves, but add to the value of the meeting. And you mm. have to find ways of measuring that, both at the meeting itself and subsequently. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're seeing the start of that now, but we're still at very early stages. In most cases, you know, as long as the delegates have had a survey saying were you, know, were, you were you happy um that seems to be how far the default is in many cases but mm. that that is changing and it will change even more as the pressure comes on and and the pressure will come on uh mm. to any any meeting that is zapping around the world and hoping to bring in a global audience is going to have to think very very carefully about how they articulate that I, 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 I
0: think this is something that is, is coming and people don't quite realize it's coming. I think it, it's the closer correct. we get to 2030, yeah. um, I think that pressure is going to be ratcheted up and up. Yeah. I read something in Nature magazine that said if the meetings industry were a country, it would emit, it would be on a par with the US for the carbon emissions. And it would be something wow. like the t- which, which biggest, is Yeah.
1: which. which Great if you're trying to say how big your industry is. Yes. Not 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 so great. And, and no. you know the the meetings industry spent uh, business events industry spent uh, spent decades trying to claim a seat at the table based on how big it is. And mm. ironically, just when people are recognising that, we're now going to be told, uh, "Why are you so big? Damn you! you yes, you're on the yeah. side of the the, uh, the devil." So we we have to articulate much more um, effectively why meetings really matter Mm. the good that they do the the capacity that they build the the unique solutions they generate that could not arise through other methods or would only arise much more um carbon costly through other methods
0: yeah and i i can't i can't believe there isn't a way for associations and the suppliers to the meetings industry to to negotiate a way forward that is mm-hmm. that satisfies both the need to meet face to face for all those serendipitous encounters you'd like to talk about in terms of intellectual capital and generating ideas and what have you, and which at the same time is is sustainable. I think it yeah. can't be that difficult. I, I, I think I'm 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 not saying that
1: that we can't do it. I think we can do it. It's just we mm. don't have the tools in our, in our uh, workbook yet. They're being developed and they're mm-hmm. slowly being adapted, you know, organizations like Estro are leading the way, um, European Cardiology has done a lot of work in this International aid Society, uh, where the impacts of the events are very carefully monitored and fed through into the processes. And I, I, I think that's, um, that's important, you know, conversations like at the, the IMX Policy Forum are really important for driving this agenda forward mm-hmm. and helping to get attention. Um, And, you know, there there are many examples where the destinations themselves are also trying to adopt these uh, methodologies. But I I suspect it won't come fast enough for us to avoid the challenges of being seen to be a big carbon emitter.
0: Can we turn to um, Ukraine? Because obviously this is something that a lot of associations are going to have to deal with in one way or another we've seen in the uh the meetings industry various associations have started um, excluding russian chapters from their meetings and uh, and refusing to do business with with russia and, and what have you it, it it's tricky should should associations be ostracizing russian academics russian scientists
1: you're right it is it is really difficult um i i mean from what i read fairly recently the russians themselves are actually Actively breaking the barriers themselves, they're they're forbidding mm-hmm. their academics and their scientists from going to international meetings. Um, they're putting in place all kind. Of, they're they're saying you can't publish in Western magazines. They're they're actively creating a a set of barriers to their own uh, their own intellectual leaders and their their scientists and um, everybody involved in in the field of education and universities and and science and. That's even more problematic than uh, so individual associations deciding to take action. I think it's it's untenable not to take action against um, official Russian organizations at the moment. I think those those messages have to be sent. I think it's one of the few ways in which we can do that but but leaving the door open for individual Russian uh, academics who are also victims in this mm. uh, in this in this situation is really important i'm I'm reminded of um back in the the depths of the cold war um um one of the big space associations um was actually the the one of the most critical back channel communication links between the americans and the russians Mm. because scientists could get together and have those conversations and they were able to pass on vital information that helps to de-escalate all kinds of issues around the Cold War. So, you know, associations and their links to individual members are really, really important. And we, we can't simply turn Russia into a, a, an entirely isolated place and, and isolate all Russians. Um, mm. You know, associations can use their communication to the Russian members to help um, get the right message across. But it, it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult.
0: Do you see in broader yeah. terms the possibility of a, a new sort of iron curtain coming down? You know, we see. Is there more to China's um, not opening up its airspace than than meets the eye? Is, 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 it, is this sort of re, reinforcing their isolationism? Is, is there something happening here bigger?
1: Well, I think I think we're in a very different situation from the Cold War, where the where there were two giant blocks. Um, opposing each other with the the Chinese at the time, occasionally jumping on the Russian side, but on other times playing it very, very independently. Um, Now Russia is very isolated. Um, You know, even there are so few who actively are supporting them that we're Mm -hmm. not in a a, a comparable situation. Um, But I, I do worry that there are big trends towards moving into separate blocks you know I, this was a this was an issue with the Chinese um before this latest crisis hit uh, where they were were starting to close off in certain respects uh, and various policy decisions were stopping scientific flow between the Chinese sphere of influence and 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 the west um because i I think with the right controls the the best policy is always to have open, dialogue, and to have those channels between scientists, doctors, you know, we're, we're dealing with issues that don't respect national borders, and we should have um, free communication between those, the individuals who know what they're talking about in those fields. Um, so anything that stops that, I'm, I'm not in, not in favour of. But it, it is worrying that we had this period where travel got less and less frictional. Um, we had more exchanges we had more openness and now it it appears that, that things are getting much more difficult i'm you know i'm hoping that the russian situation will not expand into a broader conflict i think there's a low probability but it remains a possible prob- probability which always worries me because you know we've seen so many rare beasts emerge from the woods over the last three years mm. <laughs> and there's, so there's, there's no there, there are no guarantees anymore and i think anybody who says hey it's not going to happen is mm. yeah, you know, they could be they the probability is they're going to be right but it's still a possibility i i think i think even more worrying are some of the secondary effects that that might come down the the line in terms of global recession i mean we've already seen you know oil prices spiking up like like crazy um, none of us have had to operate in a a world of ten percent inflation, mm. um, and whatever business you're in, especially if you're in the association business where you're booking up meetings three to five years in advance, you know ten percent inflation is an absolute um, <laughs> it's it's a monster you know, because you have. Very little idea of where you're going to be in terms of your pricing. Uh, last time it was really high inflation. I was not a price setter. I was simply working more operationally and just general marketing. But but I know people who were, and it was it was really truly a nightmare. E- even a year out, 10% inflation um, can can entirely destroy your bottom line. Yeah. So so that's worrying and if you combine that with potential recession coming in uh, and other potential knock-on effects which we haven't even grasped yet in terms of uh, where it could go in the in the economy. I think those have a much more they're much more likely to have an impact on the industry. Mm. Um because it seems kind
0: of like we're just lurching now from one yeah. crisis crisis to another I know and the thing is you, you can't illusion or is that, is that actually true
1: <laughs> no well, I, I think I think that that it, we this has been an unprecedentedly um, crisis ridden period you know mm. this is our world war ii effectively you know the, the mm. in terms of the the, the disruption uh, it's not normal um and yeah you know, I I don't know when things might calm down a bit but if you're in the meetings business it doesn't really matter I think this goes back to covid you know you, the only thing you can do is work out how you know how to have the number 1 or number 2 event in your sector mm. to run it as brilliantly as you can to make sure the right people are there and not worry about the rest because you know, if you've got 65 or 70% of the market coming back, 30% dropping off, that doesn't mean that every event is going to be 30% worse off in the same way that a recession with you know, unemployment suddenly climbing has huge impacts on some people and zero impacts on many others. Uh, so so if you're running, you can run a really successful, powerful, profitable um, meeting at the moment um, but not everybody can. There are going to be winners and there are going to be losers. Uh, and I think that's why it's important for any association to really look hard at that purpose of the event and build models that are not reliant on simply the numbers of people coming through the gate. Mm. You know, it, it, Because that's where you're always vulnerable you know, you're always vulnerable at the margins of the people who are not committed to whatever it is that you're putting forward, who are there because it's a nice-to-go-to to event rather than a must-go-to. Uh, you need to build the business around who has to be there, What what's the real core. And the rest of it's then then a kind of bonus, I mm. think. Um, mm. Because, But you can't worry too much about the overall situation um, because there, there is an inherent uncertainty unknowable uh, uh, unknowability about it. It's not even mm. uncertain. You literally cannot um discover it. So <laughs> that's that's the only advice I'd give on this this one.
0: It sounds like it sounds like very good advice. Uh listen Martin we're gonna have to wrap it up there. Thank you again for it's your a pleasure. time. And we shall uh no doubt do this again before the year's out. I think the last time we spoke was in July. It already seems a long time ago since we last spoke mm-hmm. on deep dive. But um We'll do it again before too long. Thanks very much.
1: Super. Thanks, James. Bye-bye.